Well, hello there. Uh, Kirk here, Dr. <laughs> Kirk Triplett, uh, Pastors Positive Mental Health Institute. And I wanted to just do a series here of reviewing uh, some books, also some articles about pastors, uh, ones that I used in my study and really give us some information. Uh, looking at that vigorous study, those uh, um, empirical articles and whatnot, and those peer-reviewed things. So I, I'm going to start with this book, probably be a two-part series. Let's see if you can see this, but Faithful and Fractured um, by Dr. Raging Preshel Bell and then Jason Biasi. Now, uh, Dr. Preshel Bell is the founder of uh, Duke Clergy Health Initiative, uh, was very helpful with me as I was working on the pastor's positive mental health, gave me some good direction. Um, and then, so she wrote this book uh, um, with uh, a, a pastor. And so you kind of get the, the clinical side and then you get the pastoral side. And so as pastors, I would encourage you to pick it up. Even if you're not a pastor and you're a church member, I would encourage you to read it. It's very informational. So this came out in 2018, still very appropriate for today. So I'm just going to read some quotes. We'll talk about those things. Again, it's probably be a two-part. Um, we'll just see how it goes. Love hanging out with you. Who knows, right? Um, so one of the things is mentioned here by uh, Biasi, the Jason Biasi, is we pastors tend to be pleasers, as you may have heard. We thrive even more on folks' encouragement and approbation than most other humans. This is something that a lot of times we as pastors don't want to admit, that we really are people pleasers. Uh, again, I've shared this before. I have a pastor friend who says that pastors are the most insecure people that you'll ever meet, especially senior pastors. But it's because we really want people to uh, to respect us, not just respect us, but receive from us. And we want to make a difference in their lives. And what we find is that with the constant presence of cell phones and ready access to email, parishioners likely expect pastors to be more reachable today and than ever before. Just today, I was on the golf course this morning and I received two calls. It was about the facility and the sprinkler system and whatnot. Now, I, I answered those calls, uh, but the reality is I was accessible. I was available. And so again, I choose, right? I can set those boundaries and say, I'm not answering this phone. I'm going to silence my phones. And I think that's good to do at times. If you can, um, I'm one of those that has a really hard time doing that. And so I think it's important that we understand that the pastors are more accessible than ever. One difference that clergy has, though, are many different responsibilities. I say I got a call about facilities, about sprinklers, um, involving many distinct skill sets, which opens pastors up to what? More expectations and more criticism, and also to a large number of people. Um, it's not just your family members, right? It's, it's, it's the whole congregation. Very few of who see the whole picture of a pastor's work, and I think that that's something that is very challenging for for parishioners and for church members to understand is really what is the pastor's work and how is it that the pastors feel that they are always on? You see, because clergy studies show that there is a lot of positive emotions, but also a lot of negative emotions that pastors deal with. And so um, it's important for us to understand that that happens. And and really what the church members do um, it, and, and how they act towards them and their actions towards them can really impact those positive or those negative emotions. And it's important for us also to remember that if there are negative emotion, emotions present present, positive emotions actually help combat those negative emotions. 
Um, but when work is sacred, which every pastor believes that it is, clergy might end up with a default approach in which everything is equally important, meaning that they are more likely to overwork and at the same time less likely to take care of their own physical and mental health. And this is important for us to understand that it's hard for pastors to prioritize the need. Again, get a call twice for the sprinkler system today that's been not working very well. Um, and it's one of those things like, it's urgent. I need to answer it, not just because it's a sprinkler, but because this is a church member and I don't want to disappoint them and think that I am not available. It seems likely, though, that clergy will experience then extremely both high positive and both very low negative emotions when engaging in their congregation. And so this is how this book sets up, just kind of setting this whole um idea of how these emotions and these positive mental health and negative mental health are combating and fighting with one another, similar to the flesh and the spirit. Um, and so again, we need to understand that empathy is one of the emotions and the core value of clergy. So pastors likely try especially hard to not to view individuals cynically. And I'll be honest with you, it's one of those things that I pray for. I'm not a very empathetic person. And so I pray for it because um, I realize that people are at different states in their life. They were raised differently, different influences. And so I don't want to think that my way is the only way. And so I want to value what they're going through. And so um, one of the things that, that is important for us to understand is that pastors have some indicators of when they're struggling. And there are some things that, that uh, Dr. Presho Bell brings out in this book. The most com common symptoms, she says, for clergy experiencing are problems with energy, eating, and sleep. It's interesting. I've been around many pastors, and, and a lot of pastors that I've been around have a hard time shutting off their brains or going to sleep. I know a when I was serving at a church with with Wednesday night services, and I had a pastor there who we would get done, and we'd probably get wrap everything up. We had a coffee shop there and fellowship afterwards, and and so uh, he would say, "Man, I can't I can't go to sleep till like two a.m. because I'm just pumped from the service." And then a lot of guys I know uh, they fall asleep, but they wake up early and they can't go back to sleep. And so we see that these also these patterns influence their energy level and also their eating habits. And so we just need to understand that pastors struggle with these things. And it's one of those things that, that we need to really, as church members, I think it's important for us to even ask the pastor, how are you sleeping? Are you, how, where's your energy level? How can I help you? Sometimes pastors are going through circumstances um, and seasons that, that you know that their what I call bandwidth has been stretched a little bit. And so I just want to encourage you uh, to know that there are certain things that pastors are going through that maybe you are not aware of. And so one of the things that they talk about is the rewarding part of the ministry. There's ministry satisfaction, right? There's great ministry satisfaction when, when someone who hasn't come to communion starts coming up to communion or someone who has uh, been disengaged 
in the work of the ministry, and then all of a sudden they want to get involved. Um, and there's also another reward would be low financial stress. And I think this is another thing that, that sometimes is challenging for churches, especially smaller churches. Um, how do you pay your pastor? And some of that really goes on to the value that people place upon their spiritual lives. Do they value the spiritual life? And it shows by how they give. Um, and again, giving is an act of worship. It's not so the pastor can have a big home, but, but the pastor should not be worried about finances. And we find too many pastors that have to get second jobs. And, and then some of that's this congregational size, but some of it is that the work of the ministry is so tiring, it's hard to do other things. And you want your pastor to be at their best. So how can you bless them? How can you help them not stress financially? And then um, we also look at that something that's very, very important. Uh, and this coincides. So if they feel like there's no financial stress, they feel success in the ministry. But then we have the other side where congregants are too critical, too many demands from them. Um, and then sometimes pastors feel guilty for not doing enough. Um, and they find social isolation, and then, of course, the financial stress. And so one thing that's noted in this book is that the church is both the source of the problem and the solution for depression in ministry. Um, it's one of those things that you realize is that the church and the pastor has this kind of tension and this give and take between the two. And, and it's important that we all recognize that even though I have the role of the pastor, I am still part of the congregation. And the congregation needs to look at too, even though they have the, the, a pastor who is, is, there, is shepherding over them as Christ shepherds the church, they still are a person in the congregation and we need to care well for one another. And so one of the things, the exhortation that, that Dr. Presho Bell gives, again, a lot of her work with the Duke Clergy Health Initiative looks more at, at, at uh, those things that cause negative mental health. And one of the things that she really encourages is the big three. Uh, don't forget to sleep, exercise, and nutrition. You know, it's interesting. Exercise is something for pastors um, and self-care that is very difficult. And I don't really like the term self-care. I mean, I think it's self-steward. Um, I want to steward what God has given me well. But sometimes we feel guilty for taking the time at the gym. I could go in the office early, or I don't need to go this afternoon and go do this. Uh, for me, I like to golf when the weather is good. And so getting up and walking nine holes and playing is really important to me. But sometimes if I don't get to the office by a certain time, I, even though no one's here and no one's expecting me to be here, I still feel that anxiety that I'm not doing enough. And then eating well, of course, is always a challenge because we have potlucks, right? And we, we celebrate around food. And so it's one of those things that we need to really understand. And so I just want to speak to the pastors for a moment as you're looking at setting yourself up for success. And then also as a church member, how can you help your pastor set themselves up for success? So one of the things is set expectations and make those expectations known. Tell your congregation that you need certain time and what your expectation of them is because sometimes we don't know what the expectations are. Uh, you know, uh, church members come to church. Uh, 
they come to church and we live in a consumer mentality. And so sometimes that really is difficult. It's one of those things where my goal as a pastor is that, that people who come to church would, would not be just consumers, but participants. And so that takes intentionality, right? That takes focus. That takes you as a pastor sharing those expectations. And I think as a church member, maybe it's important for you to say, what is it that you want uh, from a church member? Uh, how can we help? and all those good things. Another thing is to make sure you have personal people, members who you choose wisely. Um, you know, it's really important that, again, you don't want a bunch of yes men around you, but you also want people who can be accountable to you. And so I just want, you know, to encourage you, find those people who can be honest with you, that you can receive from, that you know comes from a place of love. And if you're a church member, how can you support the pastor? Be honest with him and be also um, one that can challenge the pastor, again, not not in, in a negative way, but challenge them to be the best that they can be. You see, because what happens is that clergy have a tendency to turn inward to cope with spiritual devotion and hobbies that they do not turn outward. And so I look for hobbies that I can share with church members, but I'll be honest with you, sometimes on the golf course at seven o'clock in the morning by myself is a beautiful thing then I can cheat on my score a little bit easier, right? No one's there to witness. Um, but a large body of literature indicates that feeling socially isolated, is, even though you're surrounded by people, is extremely common for pastors, but also extremely harmful. Just think about this. Have you ever been in a place, like I've gone to conventions and whatnot where I didn't know a lot of people and there were a ton of people around me and I felt extremely alone um, because I didn't know I wasn't real connection with that. And so we realized that this is something that is important for us to recognize. Uh, it, you know, it's easy, especially in larger churches, for pastors to feel isolated. And then even in smaller churches, like for instance, my church has has not had um, a lot of long-term pastors for many years. And so they've just kind of learned to function on their own. And so some of the challenge you have when you come here is they don't seem to need you. Just come preach on Sunday morning, do a Bible study, and we're happy. In fact, often uh, in the last four years, um, I've had people ask me, are, are we working you too hard? Because you seem to be at the church all the time. And I'm like, that's my job. Or you seem to be writing Bible studies. You seem to be meeting at Wednesday nights. And you seem to be, me yeah, that's my job, right? Uh, and that's, again, something that, that um, I set for myself. But I also know that the tendency is to work too hard and, and to try to manufacture uh, things that just the people are not ready for. But as a but as a church member, how can we get behind? How can we get more involved? Listen, uh, I, I'm all for making a career, um, but the career should not be your identity. You're a, you're a Christian first. You're a child of God. And he has called you to a local fellowship and a local community to be involved in that community. And it should be more than just Sunday morning. I don't like to use the should word too much, but it, but Sunday mornings is not enough. Um, you have to find some people. And it doesn't mean there has to be something official that the church puts on, but find a group of believers that fellowship together on Sunday mornings and say, how can we get together during the week and share life together? And then include the pastor in that. He would like that. Um, I like it. Like tonight, we're hanging out with people, just doing an impromptu fellowship. Uh, it's nice evenings. We're just going to hang out and we're going to love on one another, laugh, um, and and eat some food. 
I'm sure. And, uh, you know, just have a good time together. Um, so it's important, too, that we understand that, that positive emotions help energy and help the, the countenance that you want from a pastor. I mean, it would be horrible to go to church, and I've gone to a church like this before, not, not just I was visiting, and the pastor talked like this. And when he gave his sermon, it was all monotone. And I'm like, do you even enjoy what you do? And, and that was his personality. But at the same time, you have to sit there and wonder, is this really the calling for you? Because there was no dynamic energy in that. And so we want our pastors to be positive. So people have positive mood, which is a short-term kind of happiness, plus deeper feelings of meaning and belonging, which is a long-term kind of happiness, have good outcomes, actually really good outcomes. They do better at work and miss less work. They have fewer chronic diseases, medical visits, and prescription medications. And in studies that follow up with them in the future, they are less likely to become depressed, right? So what are we looking for? We're looking for people who have positive outcomes. So how do we help one another have positive outlooks? Again, that's centering around Jesus Christ, around the hope and the future that we have. When we use that word hope in the Christian terms, it is a sure foundation or a sure expectation. It's not like oh, I hope I get to go to Disneyland. It's like, no, I hope for the future because the future is bright in Christ. And so we encourage one another. That, hey, even tomorrow, his mercies are new every morning and we enjoy one another and we share life together in light of our sure future in Christ. And so whatever happens on this earth, we are not moved because we know that we are citizens of heaven. And so to support that with one another and encourage the pastor in that is very, very important. So why do people feel positive emotions? Well, let's just take a look at that for a minute according to Dr. Presho Bell. There are many of them. Here's some of them. Hope, gratitude, interest, awe, and love are just a few. And these are triggers. And so we look at how our actions that trigger this idea of gratitude, of interest, and awe uh, being personally interested in another person is actually very good, especially for a pastor. A pastor sharing interests with others. If, if, if you know that I like to golf, I'm picking on golf, it's nice weather, so we can do that. But if there's church members that like to do that, how can I go do that with the pastor? Um, I love golfing with church members. We hang out, we have a good time, and we're all humbled by our game. Um, but also, there's just a few of these triggers. So joy triggers are ones that urge to be to play or to become involved. Um, one of the things I look for in our church is where is the joy level? I want people to have the joy of Jesus. Another pastor friend of mine uh, uh, that I have at a church, one of the things they say all the time is there's no greater joy than Jesus. And so I agree with that. And so we want to have joy that is from deep relationships, long-term relationships, relationships that are built on the foundation of our family in Christ all going to heaven together. These triggers urge and absorb and accommodate and these amusement triggers, amusement sometimes is a negative thing, but it's fun to just play, right? So I think sometimes churches, and I wanna encourage you pastors, find ways to simply fellowship. I was in a ministry for many years and every time that we got together, there had to be a Bible study um, or a long prayer session. And sometimes I'm like, man, we just want to hang out. Let's just hang out together. Even if the church sponsors it, can it just be a time of play? Sometimes the time of play and the time of fellowship has greater rewards spiritually than a 
formal Bible study. Now, I'm not saying neglect the Bible study. We do the Bible studies consistently because God's word is what transforms people. But we hang out with people. We share life. We be real with people. And so I just want to encourage a little bit of that, that we would uh, just take up and and look at this. And so we'll work on some more of this book. I I mean, I kind of feel like... um, I don't want to take a ton of time. I could go through this whole book and we could be here for two hours and you would be asleep and you would never finish the podcast. But it's called Faithful and Fractured. Um, it's by Ray Jean Preshold Bell and Jason Biasi. I encourage you to pick it up. It's a good work for pastors. And we'll continue where we left off next week. Um, I think I'll have time next week. I don't know. I'm going to a conference this week, but I'll try. How's that sound? I'll try. If not, it'll be in 10 days or so, Um, but I will do it. And so again, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me um, and you can, you know, through this podcast or leave a comment. That would be great. If there's anything you'd like me to discuss or anything that you'd like me to answer, please do. Know that I have written a book that's called Affirmed, Building the Positive Mental Health of Your Pastor. It's a simple book for the church worker or the church member to read and understand just simple ways of what's going on with the pastor. And so I encourage you can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, ChristianBook.com, Books a Million, you name it, you can get it. And I just encourage you to do that. And so also another thing that I'd like you to to know is that uh, I I would love if your pastor is struggling with positive emotion or whatnot, have them reach out to me. Um, I would be happy to just spend some time with them. I do seminars for pastors. I do workshops for pastors and congregations. Again, enough of advertising and trying to get you to use my stuff. But anyway, um, so I hope this blesses you. If you know of a pastor or a church member that this will bless you, please share it. Um, please let people know that that, that pastors uh, are people too. They need help. And together, let's help the churches flourish.